And welcome to another exciting, suspenseful, sinister episode of Battle of the Atom. This is, of course, the only X-Men podcast where you can go and uh, just hear about some stories chosen. I don't want to say at random, but not in any particular chronological and or thematic order. And figure out where they go on the big old definitive forever list of best X-Men stories of all time. I'm Zach Jenkins, and I could not do this without my co-host, Adam Reck. Adam, how are we doing today? I am doing great. I am really excited about these stories that we're going to talk about today. They were yeah, really fun. This is this is some fun stuff. This actually gets down to the earliest days of my fandom, which is really exciting. Oh, okay. We'll get into that when we talk about the story that Patreon supporter Andrew Robertson uh, put out there for us. So, yeah, first thank off, you, thank you. Just like apparently every episode we're ever going to do now for the rest of time. Uh, <laughs> we're getting we, a lot of we, requests. We are actually laid it out this morning, and we are booked between a few exciting interviews that are going to be coming up and Patreon requests until May. We are straight wow. in, until June. What? Until June. We're through. <laughs> we're through Whoa. all of May. We've That's got crazy. some crazy stuff on the wow. docket too that I'm not going to spoil just yet, but I'm pumped for some of the stories we're going to be talking about. Yeah, there's going to yeah. be some fun ones. So, in so number 1, Andrew, he gave us this suggestion. He said, "You know what, guys? I'd really like you to talk about Uncanny X-Men Volume 2 number 14 through 17, which is an AVX tie-in." Now, we don't have any AVX on this list, mm-hmm. do we, Adam? Uh, no, not yet. I don't think we have any uh, Avengers versus no. X-Men, it, which it, is fine. It, it, that's the number one description of Avengers versus X-Men. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I like Avengers versus X-Men, but we're not ranking that today. I don't think it's, don't think it's today. as bad as people <laughs> want to make it out to be. I think it might be a little too small. Yeah, there's a lot of really it's fun fine. stuff in there. It's fine. Uh, Phoenix 5 is yeah, fun. Yeah, and we get a lot of them because this story – uh, is about Mr. Sinister fighting the Phoenix Five in his underground London that he built under Alaska. Oh my God. How cool <laughs> yeah, is that? This, this was written by Kieran Gillen with art by, like, there's three different artists across these four issues, and they're all. Yes. But the one standout is Daniel Acuna is back on these uh, issues. Uh, we've. He's been hitting him a couple times in the course of the podcast. Always great to see him working. Yeah, we got Akuna on 15, 16, and part of 17. We got Dustin Weaver on 14, who you may know from like S.H.I.E.L.D. and some other cool stuff. And we have a very early appearance of Mike Del Mundo. Yeah. He's actually credited as Michael Del Mundo on mm, this, which is really fun. Very so formal. he's still credited. <laughs> he's still kind of grown into itself but like even on the cover of 17 
you can see the hints of where he's going to become the uh, like all-star artist that he is today. He's a great, great cover artist. I mean, and it's always fun mm-hmm. to see him do interiors too. He's got a great cartoony kind of thing going on. Yeah. But this is a really fun story. Um, you know, I hadn't read this before and uh, I, I had to go back and read the first arc of the, this ver- uh, volume of uncanny just to, get an idea because i i was expecting this to be i'd always seen the images of sinister taking over um san francisco um right whenever things sinister yeah so i had to go back and read that first which we're not ranking today but i'm glad i did got a sense of what was going on in this arc and it is really fun yeah so sinister kieran gillen's take on him was you know sinister's always cared about evolution and perfection and all this stuff and he kind of just decided well, I'm perfect. Why can't everyone just be me? Yeah. So he does it. Yeah. He makes everything and everyone him. This is the Phoenix Five powered X-Men against an army of sinister clones. Yeah. And, and it's clones of just everything else. It's not even just people. Like when we saw the Uncanny One through Three arc, it was just every single person in that area was sinister. Now it's like everything. And <laughs> there's the some cows. really fun. Oh, I didn't want to get to that yet, but yes. The Krakoa. Yeah. The gambits. Oh man, the cannonball cannonballs. <laughs> what? <laughs> what crazy fun stuff is here now did you say that this has like a special place in your heart for for it is the the whole second volume of uncanny x-men really is a a, an important touchstone for my fandom i actually back in when did this come out 2012 so back in 2011 i heard that uncanny x-men was ending and getting a new number one Mm -hmm. and i said you know I've always wanted to read like X-Men for seriously. I will do that. So I got a mail order subscription from Marvel. The quality of that questionable to (laughs) say the least. I believe they actually have Midtown doing it nowadays and it's better because I've never had problems with Midtown. Uh, But yeah, I got this. I went into it with no knowledge of what was happening. I knew that all I knew is there was some sort of schism and – I could choose either between Uncanny X-Men or Wolverine and the X-Men. And I looked at the teams and Uncanny X-Men had Storm and Cyclops and Magneto on it. And I and Colossus. And I said, oh, yes, this is the book for me. That's so funny because I went the opposite way. I went I went uh, with Wolverine and the X-Men and I kind of ignored this completely. But now I'm regretting that. <laughs> that's that's very interesting to see us literally fall on the exact opposite <laughs> sides of the scale. Yeah. That's that's good. Pure accident. That's good. Pure accident. But uh, uh, we see. We'll know. see. I don't know. But this is great fun, man. Yeah. So the first the first issue in this issue 14 is about a sinister. He is a clone of sinister and he doesn't like sinister's underground London order. He doesn't like that sinister's in charge of everything. Mm-hmm. He doesn't enjoy any of that. So he decides to plan a coup against Sinister. The So the problem is that Sinister is him and he is Sinister and they are all Sinister. So Sinister knows that Sinister is trying to plan a coup against Sinister and then Sinister kills Sinister and talks about how this Sinister was just a uh, just a tool that he uses to make sure that his defenses are up to date and that he can <laughs> handle any coup from any Sinister. 
Oh my goodness. The layers, the layers. And I love that Gillen just drops us into this world. Like we haven't seen Sinister, um, in a, you know, since the first arc of this series. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we just get dropped into this Victorian mock-up and it's so weird and so much fun, you know, yeah. it, it's really great. It's, it's exciting. And what I love is what ends up happening is the Phoenix Five. So that's Cyclops, Emma Frost, Namor, Colossus, and Magic go and say, you know what? Sinister is going to be a problem. Let's go take him out. Mm -hmm. So they, they go to try and take him out. And then Sinister throws waves after waves after waves <laughs> of the weirdest Oh yeah, weirdest things at them. He's got mashed up marauders. He's got we we talked about some of the other stuff that he, but I I don't think we mentioned the Madeline Pryor hive mind that he's got it set up, which oh yes uh, is really fun. Yes, really fun. He made Stepford cuckoos out of Madeline Pryor. Yeah, yeah, that's it's a good equivalent. Um, <laughs> and that you know somehow they have to to work their way out of it with a little help from a B team. Um, it's a good but, B team. Uh, wow. That B team yeah. is Magneto, Danger, Storm, and Psylocke, who keeps remembering, reminding everyone that yes, she can do this. She's a bloody ninja. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but the the art is beautiful. Um, the the world building here, even though it's just this uh, you know small arc, is really fantastic. From that first issue, you get a real. It, it's a nice device with the journalist to get a tour of the entire place. Mm -hmm. And then you get to watch it burn to the ground <laughs> uh, through this battle, um, which is essentially why it exists. You know, Sinister set it up so that he can try and take them out as best he can. And he fails, but it's a lot of fun it to is. watch. This is so this is interesting because it's titled as an AVX tie-in, but what that really mm -hmm. means is because AVX was 12 issues long. Right. Uh, it, it was just like, hey, guys, the Phoenix Five are going to be in this. Just roll mm -hmm. with it. And I, yeah. I know I've, I have read interviews with Gillen before. He knew when he started his run it was going to be he gets an arc and then it's fear, fear itself. And then mm -hmm. it's going to be fear itself. And then schism's going to hit right there. So right. he gets another arc or so, and then it's going to be arc or two. And then it's going to be Avengers versus X-Men. And then mm -hmm. he gets a little bit to play with that. And then it's going to be over. Like he knew going in that he only had so many, so many stories to do. He had a finite run that was going to happen. And he did a lot with it. Like he has a very strong sinister plot going through all of this. And I mm -hmm. absolutely love it. It's not the best run of X-Men, even in the last, you know, oh, 10 a little years. bit of event fatigue, what you're describing there, you know, trying to arc in and out of these things is tricky. And I think that he handles it, you know, better than uh, with Wolverine and the X-Men with AVX. Those tie-ins are not nearly as strong. Yeah. I mean, the strongest one of those is the, the Kid Gladiator episode, uh, or wait, no, I'm thinking of infinity. Yeah, that's infinity. I'm sorry. Um, but you know, I don't remember the AVX stuff coming out of, of that side of the, the book really being as fun. No, it wasn't. Um, well, cause what I like about this is this arc, it would need to be reworked a little bit, but this could just be an arc without any of the Phoenix five stuff. Like, yeah, sure. Could. Sinister, you, you switch some motivations, you switch some of the mechanics mechanics of everything but the basic overall plot works mm -hmm. and i like that. yeah and and i like i like that even though they're the phoenix five sinister is still 
uh, you know, pretty good opponent for them. Um, he actually has a chance of taking them out uh, and taking advantage of, of, even though they're so super powered at that point, it doesn't mean that they immediately can just stop him. And come on, guys, there's <laughs> there's kamikaze cows <laughs> in this um, that are attacking them. It, it's really fun. It's very inventive, and I, I like it a lot. So maybe we should take a shot at ranking it. We should probably take a shot at ranking it. So here's the thing about this. His castle is Krakoa. It's a clone yeah. of Krakoa, which is mm-hmm. kind of great. So is this do you like this better or worse than let's say giant size X-Men number one? I like it better. I think it's really fun. And I, I, you know, we didn't even mention that all of this is running on celestial energy. Oh yeah. Because of the first arc. So, you know, there's, there's layers here that are really fun. Um, I, I lived the, you know, Akuna is also on Avenge the Earth. So I'm, this is I'm not as good as Avenge area. the Earth. I would, I'd say no, that. Avenge the Earth is, yeah. Um, do we like this better than Magic and, and uh, Lord of the Vampires? I think it's oddly comparable to Lord of the Vampires. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's got it's got that kind of fun sensibility to it. Of like, wait, what did I just see? <laughs> um, so maybe magic is our, our sort of stopping point there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, for how it's, not, it's not better than magic. I think magic, by the sheer weight of what that story is and what that story does, mm-hmm. it's better than it. But like, I like it better than the first arc of X-Factor Investigations. Where, where I'm coming to is X-Factor 87 Examinations, which I know I'm not mm-hmm. as hot on as a lot of people are, don't right at me i don't care uh (laughs) i've made my peace with it but i think it's a i think it's either better or worse than that i think it's right there okay i i like this better than the first arc of x-men 92 so let's split the difference then because i i think i like 92 better okay uh I'm willing to compromise. So, so in between X Men '92 and X Factor '87, yes, that would make this the new number twenty-one. Nope, I didn't carry over the numbers from last week. Uh oh. Luckily, nothing last week was very good. So it is number twenty-two. <laughs> Our next story on this list <laughs> is this. This goes a bit deeper. This is still sinister. This is still London, but this is in the before times. This is The Further Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, written oh, wow. by Peter Milligan, with nice. art by the fabulous Jean-Paul Leon. I don't know about you. I love Jean-Paul Leon. He's like, you don't see a ton of his stuff in the X world, but every time he pops up, it's a delight. I love his work. It's Oh, I absolutely love this. I think the the artwork is stunning. It's beautiful. It's moody. It's like a, it's like Hellboy but grittier. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Hellboy because there is a certain um, visual similarity to Mignola's style, mm-hmm. and this really made me think of. Um, there's a really fun hardcover that Howard Chaikin did with Mike Mignola called Iron Wolf, huh. uh, which is a steampunk vampire adventure, a standalone continuation of an older uh, storyline that Chaikin used to work on. And this reminds me a great deal of that, because even though this isn't steampunk, 
it has elements of that because we're going back to Victorian England. It's 1859. And this is essentially an excuse to just tell Mr. Sinister's origin story, which had been hinted at um, in previous books. But what a cool way to go about it is, you know, to use the um, device of the first adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, do a random time travel drop and then use it to tell this story, which is a real fun uh, Jekyll and Hyde type thing, um, which has the most amazing Egyptian themed apocalypse design oh, apocalypse. in it. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. My boy in Sabanur, he is, <laughs> he, well, he doesn't look like a celestial Kirby guy. He looks no. like he would be like an he could be an Egyptian pharaoh, only like the Marvel yeah. Universe mutant version of that, which is really it's cool. kind of like a, a it's a King Tut Transformer almost. You <laughs> yes. Know? yes, yeah, he's got a great look to him. Oh my gosh! Yeah, no, I mean he he has this really great look, and even when Sinister transforms, he almost has sort of a, a robotic kind of look to him at first. Um, it, it's it's really really fun to see. Um, it's De Leon. What, how, how do you say the last uh, name? Here? It's it's not De Leon. It it's John Paul Leon. No, it might be John Paul, John Paul Leon. Leon just like a guy named Leon. But look, I see, I see John Paul. Like I see John Paul right next to each other. I assume there's a bit of a French in that. It's possible. I don't it's know possible. if he is French. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's from Florida. Um, he's from Miami. There you go. No. Cool. John Paul Leon, I guess. Anyway, he's gorgeous. He actually, this is this is a uh, tangent, and eventually this will be covered on the podcast. But in the uh, like Morrison era, he did a uh, like a one shot for burn victims, like it was distributed at children's hospitals for like burn victims and all this stuff. Really? It is, oh, I don't know. It's called Uncanny X Men in Life Lessons. And hmm. I actually like uh, Jay and Miles. Jay and Miles explain the X Men, which is a fabulous X Men podcast. That if you are listening to us and you haven't at least given them a try, I don't know what's up with you. They did recently an episode all about like PSA and comics made for a certain purpose, and I got really excited mm -hmm. because they covered like the Uncanny X Men go to the Texas State Fair and <laughs> the X Men blockbuster issue and all this stuff. And I was really hoping they would talk about the. Uh, this uh life lessons one not because it's like weird it's good it's hmm. like a really kind of moving and well done comic and jean paul leon's oh, art making me excited to oh yeah it. like I, I picked it up because i've never heard about this this is a weird morrison era one shot for charity yeah i'm gonna pick that up it's really mm -hmm. good hmm. like yeah anyway that's not this book though <laughs> well, Peter Milligan is doing a great job here. Mm -hmm. I mean, the this this also reminds me a little bit. I know we, when we back when we started talking about Wolverine, we started talking about him kind of being like um, uh, a Batman esque, put him in any kind of story and it yes. works character. But this is this is a really good example of X Men being able to go over into different kinds of genres and still work really really well. This is a very fun. I, I, I'm hesitant to use steampunk because I know it's not quite it's that Victorian you know, sci-fi. That genre, it's Victorian sci-fi. Right. Put it in whatever bucket you yeah. want. They don't have like goggles everywhere and gears on everything. No. 
but it has it's, the same aesthetic. But it's yeah, and it's really really fun. Um, the 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 characterization of Sinister is done so well. Um, you actually feel his downfall. It's not like it's um, you know super melodramatic i mean it's melodramatic in that you know we're dealing with these very very big faustian terms Mm -hmm. here but uh you know it makes sense it makes sense with having charles darwin put be put in this i do love that charles darwin's like look nathaniel essex multiple cameos you're you need to slow your roll dude i've said some stuff that has incited a lot of interest and anger from certain folks so believe me when mm-hmm. I'm saying you might be going too far. Yeah. But I also like, I mean, this comes out in what, 96, I yeah, think. Yes, yes. Um, I, I think this is a really good opportunity in just regular X-Men continuity to go back to the beginning. There has been so much hinted at over the years about these two characters, what their relationship mm-hmm. is and what we can see what they're doing in current continuity. This is a great opportunity for them to really put a start on that and define where this all begins. Uh, and it's done really, really yeah, well. I think the sinister stuff in this is great. I think the apocalypse stuff in this is great. I couldn't care less that Cyclops and Phoenix are here. Yeah, I mean, they're there to basically like talk to the Ascani lady for some reason and set up the little. I mean, the end of this book is that the great 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 grandfather, I think I've got that right, of Scott Summers uh, is rescued and saved. So Scott kind of like saves his own family timeline. And then, I guess. And then that, that so guy, because he goes over to America at the end, he immigrates. Uh, he chooses mm-hmm. a new last name like immigrants often did, and he chooses the name of the man who rescued him, Summers. So Scott Summers right. recursive looped name himself, which is very appropriate for that family. Yeah, we get a little time paradox there. And, uh, you know, I was wondering, I, I, it hadn't even clicked in my mind, just me not reading as intelligently as I might have. Why do they keep talking about this kid? <laughs> you know, like this kid's not interesting. And then I got to the last page. I was like, oh, it's, oh. So stupid, Adam. I should have figured that out beforehand. I um, only knew it because really I knew that piece story. of trivia. I knew that he named oh, okay. his own family. I knew it going in. But mm. yeah, like, I think this is, I like the sinister stuff. I like the apocalypse stuff. I think this is solid. I don't know if it's like the most essential. Like we get, we get something similar for apocalypse around the same time. Uh, where they go back to Apocalypse in Egypt. And I'm blanking mm-hmm. on the name of that miniseries, but this is better than that. Like, Oh, yeah. This this kind of has like an Elseworlds quality mm-hmm. to it, you know? It, it's, still, uh, it's still part of the chronology, but it does depart from the usual genre that we're used to for X-Men. I think it does it really, really yeah, it well. Makes, it um, makes good use of being a miniseries, of saying, hey, we've only got four issues. Let's do something cool mm-hmm. with it. Oh, and there's a lot of pa- lot of stuff packed into this. You know, this this will take you a couple minutes to read. It's not one of these '90s books that has just a couple of words of dialogue and a lot of action fight scenes. Um, you know, it's it's a book, and it, it has a lot of substance to it. So, um, where do we want to put this? Let's see. I'm looking oh, on the yes. list right now. I I think it's better than Ultimate X Men Volume One: The Tomorrow People. Mm-hmm. I don't. 
I don't think I like it more than the Sinister AVX story that we just talked about. Okay. That's where I'm at, but I'd love to hear your take on this. Um, you know, I really like the art. I think this is a very unique story. I agree. You can probably get a general sense of, um, you know, who these characters are without necessarily reading this miniseries. But if you're a Sinister fan, and I, I just want to go on record as being a Sinister fan, I think that I love the idea that almost any X-Men story could potentially have a Mr. Sinister lurking in the shadows, yes. like you know, drumming his fingers together, muhahaing, because uh, I, I just think that's a really fun, integral part of what X-Men uh, are, are all about. So um, I think that's a good place on the list to to look. Um, I'm looking sort of around the Messiah War X-Force Assault on Grey Malkin area. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Because I think this is better than Executioner's song. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Right. And I'm, you know, so I, I'm kind of torn maybe about going, putting this above X-Men and Alpha Flight. Here's the thing. Here's um, the thing. Executioner's song is there because you really like it. <laughs> it is really fun. It's really fun. So if you're um, willing to go above this, that, I'm all for that. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I don't know that it needs to go much higher than that. You know, like it, it's a standalone story that, uh, you know, it probably tells you what you already knew in a really fun I'd, way. I'd rather read so, Daddy Cable. I really would. Okay. I do love Daddy yeah. Cable, though. And I, and I would rather read. Uh, I think I'd rather revisit X-Men and Alpha Flight because um, I, I consider that a real classic. So I think that might be a good spot for yeah, number 28 uh, on our 28? list. Sinister okay. is having a very respectable showing. Like he is awesome. These people don't know. We have 71 stories on our list right now. So two stories, you know, in the top 30, top half, that's doing good, especially on a top heavy list like this. Turns out people <laughs> like just talking about stories they like. Now this next one though, Zach, I, I don't know if it's going to fare as well. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about this one. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. So I picked this. <laughs> I picked this one because we were doing sinister stories and I was trying to think, okay, well the first two are like Victorian sinister, which is the sinister I prefer. Like I'm going to go on record. Uh, vampire Cape sinister, eh, Victorian mm-hmm. sinister. I'm all about yeah. So I was trying to think of weird sinisters, and then something came to my memory. <laughs> so Ultimate X Men is a book. It's a book. It sure it's is. It's a book where I think like <laughs> the first, I want to say forty five ish issues are solid good story. Uh, the mm-hmm. Miller and the Bendis runs are real good, and the stuff after. Uh, after ultimatum uh that nick spencer and brian wood did also very good but then there's a middle chunk there's a middle um, chunk and, and it's not and, and it's written by brian k vaughn wait i'm sorry brian k vaughn <laughs> you mean the man who wrote saga yes the man who wrote why the last man the man who wrote private the Eye. man who wrote runaways what is going on this is... all right we should get into what this is because i when, when i'm reading this i I had kind of blocked the the magic moment of this story out of my mind, even though I had seen it before. Yes. And I'm reading this going, what is this nonsense? <laughs> because the version of Sinister in this story is so ridiculous. Well, um, he's like a... He's, base, 
He's a gangbanger. Yeah, he's a gun-toting, yeah, tattooed mutant hunter with potential schizophrenia? It, question it, mark. He's like he's like has a stutter and he's really upset, except for that he believes in apocalypse, <sighs> and he's doing all this to yes. serve his Lord Apocalypse, and he has to kill what like ten mutants, ten young mutants. Uh, there's a magic number there. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, gotta... it, this the entire apocalypse thing and Ultimate X Men goes in a completely different direction, and then Sinister appears one more time, and then it gets dropped like a hot potato. It's a nothing, to the whole thing. <laughs> so like, he, yes. he kills a bunch of mutants. He tries to kill mm-hmm. North Star. He does kill the ultimate version of Maggot. Rest in peace, buddy. Morning mm-hmm. till I join you. Uh, he is. He's just kind of dumb. And the, the rest of the X-Men are going through some stuff. Like Beast had just died. Ultimate Beast. Right. So and him and Storm were dating, if you didn't pick that up. Uh, mm-hmm. So then Storm gets into the ultimate version of Mohawk Storm, which is okay. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Yeah. It's, yeah. She's like, I'm, I'm going to dress 90s going to a concert kind of uh, thing. No. <laughs> I guess. That, she dresses incredibly 2004. She is very 2004. That's fair. She's got yeah. a bit of I mean, a mess. This book feels, this book feels very, you know, like the fact that that uh, Sinister's supposed to be, you know, like badass, and he has a tattoo of his name on his forearm. It's not, like not wait, the that's... not the worst tattoo that you could have on a pale supervillain. It's not like he got the word Sinister <laughs> tattooed over his uh, forehead or anything like that. Yeah. But it's just weird. Like he still has the the doohickey in his forehead, his, his, his but diamond. he's and he's wearing a beanie and he's he's all tatted up and he's walking around Punisher style, just like gunning people down. And it's weird. It's real weird. Okay, can we get to the good um, part? And then of course, it, yeah. Let's lead to. I mean, the the master plan of this character is for to kind of draw the X Men out of the mansion to go and try and find him, so that he can invade the mansion. And it leads to, I think, why people know this arc, which is I'll let you do the honors. Okay, so Sinister gets Charles Xavier in his wheelchair, and he tells his plan to Xavier, and he's like, he says, "I know what your greatest weakness is." Stairs and he pushes him downstairs <laughs> in a splash page. It's so perfect. It's an amazing. It's a page turn moment of comics. <laughs> it is ridiculous it's and so funny. And I'm curious. I was wondering why it was never done before, and it's it's oh, in it's it's sheer something. just. The boldness to do that. Oh, it's so good. The rest of the story is kind of boring. Rogue beats Sinister, and there's talk about Punk Dazzler maybe killing him, but then it not happening. This is a whole thing. It doesn't matter. I got to say, very not on board for that version of Dazzler either. Like, what is that? She's very better in other places in this. Like, I, I, I get the appeal of doing Punk Rock Dazzler. I really do. It's something Bendis has done several times. Well, I like that version is a little different than what's here. But uh, yeah, there's not a lot here here. You know what I mean? Like you're you're going to get a real kick out of that particular scene. And then the rest of it, you're going to be scratching your head. You know, there's a weird dynamic in Vaughn's writing here of 
almost, I don't know. There's a couple of moments that kind of feel a little homophobic. Um, there's just, a, I don't know. There's a younger sensibility here. I, I think we encountered this when we read younger uh, Hickman as well. You know, there's, there's sort of like a, a younger I don't know how old Vaughn is when he's writing this, but it has kind of like a, old you know, a college know age person. Uh, I understand that, but you know, people learn as they get older about, you know, what, what's right and what's wrong. And I, I don't know if that in, informed how his writing process worked and what his characters say, but there, there's like some odd little moments sprinkled throughout here. And it's great to know that Brian K. Vaughn is, is an amazing, amazing creator who has given us some of the greatest stories in all of comics. This is not one of them. <laughs> yep. It's not even remotely close. Yes. No, this is, this is not, this is not among his best work. It's look, go look up the stairs line. Because it's entertaining yeah. as hell. It's so it's good. And like it's artist great. Brandon Peterson, who we hadn't mentioned yet, and we have to, uh, sells yes. that so well. Like this mm-hmm. really does struggle. And this is where Ultimate X-Men starts to fall off. Like there's still good stories after this, but there's there's a long thing of just bad writing. Brian K. Vaughn's on for, I think, two more arcs after this. And then Ra- Robert Kirkman gets on for a very mm-hmm. long time and if you like the walking dead this isn't it <laughs> this isn't invincible this is something bad but like oh boy. of x-men there's one two three four five six seven eight nine ten x-men on this team not counting professor x like mm-hmm. it got too big and no one knew what to do with it and it just it falls apart it really does. Yeah. Sinister is horrible in this. It's, mm. it's, it's just not sinister. I mean, it, not, it doesn't have any of the hallmarks. I appreciate, you know, the idea of taking on a new approach to the character, but this just comes across from beginning to end is just too silly. Um, yeah. It, it, you know, and X-Men can be very silly. Mr. Sinister at his core is very silly. This is still way too silly to be taken seriously um is it and uh, is it sillier than right. astonishing tales mojo world uh well i i liked that a whole bunch more i, did I mean that, that was really funny and I did um I, I liked just the general premise of that i would go much lower with this i don't think um, it's, i i don't think it's better than or i don't think it's worse than Ooh, wait hold on I was going to say Deadly Genesis, but then I saw No More Humans is right below that. And I think I like No More Humans better. Okay. Yeah. I think this is a story, uh, so it's better than Heroes for Hope. Which okay. are number 65 right. on this list. Yeah. I like um, – I, I think it probably has about as much substance as that long shot story from X-Men Volume 2. Um, but I also like the art much better in New Mutant Summer Special, which we agree is not a coherent story. It's so really I think not. that might be a good realm for it. Um, I think you're you're exactly right. The fact that Jim Lee art is still Jim Lee art puts mm-hmm. uh, that long shot story from X Men Volume Two above it. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm going to be honest. That New Mutant Summer Special has a lot of fun little moments. I do think stairs is 
is <laughs> the edge. Stairs is <laughs> well. Then that's the perfect. Stairs, stairs gives it the edge. It's the one. So thing. that's where it goes. It's the one thing. This is the new number sixty-four <laughs> on our list. Ultimate X Men: The Tempest. Tempest. Tempest is a different thing. Anyway, that's all the things that we have for this episode. If you enjoyed what we talked about, all the sinister, spooky stories that we spooked into your eardrums, you can mosey on over to XavierFiles.com. That's where we post all these episodes. We also have weekly discussions about different X-Men characters. This week uh, is, uh, or was, Gladiator of the Shi'ar Imperial Guard. And can I tell you something, Adam? Yeah. When we get that freaking Dave Cockrum uh, Phoenix story with the Emkron crystal that's gonna go way higher than i than i thought it would it's delightful it's very good everything about the imperial guard is great you know that you know <laughs> that uh gladiator's name is uh kalark and do you know why it's kalark? i did not know that no why because gladiator like all the uh all the imperial guard are just ripoffs of the legion of superheroes Oh, right. And yeah. He is, parodies. Well, I don't think parody is the right word. I think Dave Cockrum really wanted to draw Legion of Superheroes. It's an homage. Is the right word. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. But he, it's an homage. He is an homage to Superboy, whose name is Cal L or Clark Kent. Nice. So, go, of course, Gladiator is Cal Lark. I like that. That's great. It's kind of I never knew that. Yeah, I just put that. Guys, this is, the, this is the kind of content you tune into the podcast for, this is, right? Yes. The, you're, the, you're learning. The etymology <laughs> of obscure Bronze Age Mohawk Superman. <laughs> I love oh, it. Oh, yes. I love it. Uh, you can also, yeah, you can find that there. You can find me on Twitter at Xavier Files. Now, the one thing, and I normally say this before I go into my plugs, uh, but if you liked this episode – and you want to uh, support the podcast like Andrew did, you can go over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files. And at the $2 a month level, you can get an entire episode bespoke created based around one of your suggestions. We've had a lot of really good pitches recently, mm-hmm. and they're turning into really fun episodes. <laughs> like... Yes, indeed. It's good. If, if you want to see how we connect the dots between Gangster Sinister and that time that Krakoa was a castle, you know, this is this is what we do here. This is your opportunity. Yeah, if, I love it. If you can't support the show monetarily, I get it. I don't. I don't support every podcast I listen to, even some of them I really like. End of the day, I just don't. Maybe I'm a bad person. Who knows? But no, it's fine. If you do want to leave us like a rating or a review or something on iTunes or your podcast device of your choice, that really does help. Like that's a little mm-hmm. thing you can do to make a lot of people's day better. And by a lot of people, I mean me and Adam. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. We appreciate we it. We do. Now, Adam, where can people find you online? All right, guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy, And I've got new pages of the search for Bish and Jubes. Uh, every Monday at adamrec.tumblr.com. Got some fun little reveals coming up in the next couple of weeks. So I uh, hope you guys are, are reading those. They're fun. They are fun. The last, the stuff that went up, the last that I rec- we're recording this is straight fire. It's my favorite. It's this silly <laughs> bishop gag. And it's perfect. 
That's what I live for. I'm I'm glad that you I'm glad that you live for me saying you make a good web comic, Adam. <laughs> uh, Thank you, Zach. Uh, well, next time that we're on the show, we are digging into the event that defined the nineties of all time. I of course mean Phalanx Covenant. We're we're just doing all of it. So if you want to read along, just read all of Phalanx Covenant. Uh till yeah. then. And I guess forever? It's not just till then. It's it's an ongoing thing that we are Bow the Atom, and we hope you survived the experience. Get it!